Get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in to another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Breaking down everything District 4, week in, week out in the state of Idaho. My name is Brandon Maney. You might notice it sounds a little different this week. Uh, my audio is different from what you're used to hearing. Usually I've got all my podcast gear and my fancy microphone. I still got that, but it's not hooked up to anything. It's pretty much worthless. Uh, I had to take the gear I use for podcasting and actually give it to one of our IdahoSports.com broadcasters uh, so they could broadcast a game last week and this week. So I had to strip down my gear for parts and give it to somebody else. So bear with us. By next week, I should have my normal gear back. My name is Brandon Bainey, by the way. And the guy who joins me every week is uh, Scott Burton, but he's got a rotating, a, n- a never-ending rotation of aliases he likes to use. And this week, Scott is appearing as Tug McGraw. What's up, Tug? I'm just kidding. If you didn't have your gear, I thought maybe I'd play along. So, yeah, no, Tug McGraw. Phillies need a little magic right now. So hopefully uh, Tug McGraw can uh, provide that little spark after getting no hit last night. What's that all about? Second no-hitter in World Series history, the first ever combined no-hitter. Come on, Phillies, show up. Yeah, pretty crazy. Uh, the Phillies lose game four of the World Series last night. That series now tied up two all. Uh, Tug McGraw, of course, great relief pitcher for the Phillies back in the day. Did, did he manage as well, Scott? Or was he just a player? Uh, I don't think so. I'm, I'm gonna quote me on that. Um, no, I just remember, uh, well, if you were watching, what, a couple nights ago, they had uh, Tim McGraw there with his dad's jersey on. And it was a pretty cool clip. The uh, Jumbotron caught him, and uh, he stood up and showed his dad's jersey that he was wearing, and uh, just the crowd goes bananas. And, you know, next thing you know, 7 nothing, home run fest. You know, so we need more of that Tug McGraw magic. So I'm a Dodgers fan, but I have a little wager on the Phillies. <laughs> and so I kind of uh, I have a vested interest. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Tug McGraw, of course, the father of Tim McGraw, country music icon. Uh, so I also, you know, wanted to celebrate the combined no hitter last night by the Houston Astros by wearing my finest Boston Red Sox shirt as a, a team that struggled to get hits all year long. The Red Sox, I, I know what last night looked like. So, yeah, well, Fred being a Dodgers fan and have the biggest letdown in playoff history, chase the overall best record and then just get wiped off map in the first round of the playoffs didn't even compete so yeah it's it's tough being a red Sox and a dodger fan this year definitely it wasn't that long ago they were playing for the world series and now they're in the losers cheated i remember that (laughs) (laughs) hey it was regular season only that they cheated they couldn't during the playoffs but gotcha well i still haven't forgiven houston for that which is another reason the phillies need to take care of business Definitely. Okay, one last Major League Baseball note, and then we'll actually dive into Magic Valley stuff because this was kind of cool, Scott. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, the longtime play-by-play broadcaster for the Phillies was Harry Callis. He did, you know, Phillies games for like 20 years and passed away, I don't know, five, six years ago. His son, Todd Callis, is now the play-by-play broadcaster for the Astros, actually. And so he's a he's a TV broadcaster. So during the playoffs, the TV guys don't do any work. It's just the radio guys. So he was actually at the game in Philadelphia for game three, two nights ago. And that was the game the Phillies won seven, nothing. And he said, boy, as, as an Astros broadcaster, it was kind of a bummer. But the one cool thing that they do at Phillies games is uh, 
after every Phillies game, when Harry Callis was the Phillies broadcaster, he would sing High Hopes. You know, he's got High Hopes. So now they play that every time the Phillies win. They play that over the loudspeakers. And so for Todd Callis, he said it was kind of cool to hear my dad singing, and I got to sing along with it. So oh, very cool. Huh. See, that, that's, a, that's a great little nugget of information that kind of fits what we try to do in our podcast is show you what's behind the box score, the stories, the feel-good moments, those types of things. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and then let's let's dive right into those nuggets because we have a lot of championship uh, stuff to recap here. You know, it was state cross-country last week. Scott up in Lewis did, and you could basically take a sledgehammer to the record books. There were some really impressive times and performances on all sides, and we got to give a shout-out to the Raft River girls. They win the 1A state championship. This is a program that five years ago, Scott, didn't even exist, right? So it's pretty cool that they were able to come through and win. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a – a program that uh, I think it's in their third year of existence. It was, you know, started up by the Christiansons, Mike and Brooke, and you know, and they, and I think we talked a little bit about them last year, especially with the twins that they had with uh, Cabri and Carly, because when they were, uh, I think it was sophomores, they decided the parents like, hey, we got to start a, a program, and then here we are, just a couple of years later, and the whole program are state champions. And the two twins are off running at Utah State. And, uh, I mean, things are just going really, really well um, for Raft River. I mean, you know, you look at what they did this year at the cross-country meet. Uh, they were kind of behind the eight ball right away because another Christensen, Ashley, she hurt herself, broke her collarbone early in the season, never quite recovered and wasn't able to participate. And she was going to be kind of an important role for them this year. And so the other girls sort of had to really step it up. And uh, they did. And so they had all five of their runners placed in the top 20s. And they came away with one of the lowest scoring girls teams, team totals across all divisions. You know, they were just phenomenal this year. And, um, and a little side note, the boys had their first cross-country team this year. Uh, took third at district, I think, and made it to state where they took eighth. Um, and, the, and the boys also academic champions. So, I mean, yeah, in that short amount of time, Boys and Girls Cross Country or Raft River has really done well. And then then you talk about their, their champion, Allie Black, and, man, what a, what a runner she is. Yeah, so this year on IdahoSports.com, we uh, broadcasted three regular season cross country meets. Raft River was at two of those meets. And each time, Allie Black won her heat. They, they run big schools, and then they run small schools. And so we always bring on whoever wins the heat post-race. So I got to interview Allie twice this year, and she's just a great uh, great person. And she's only a sophomore. So, I mean, she's, she's young. She could be doing this for a while. And every time I would have her on, I would ask her, like, okay, we know you – have goals that you've set, but what about Raft River as a team? What, where are you guys going to fit in at state? And she would always, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to find out when we get to state. And she kind of played it coy a little bit, but yeah, awesome for Raft River's girls to win the team title. Oh yeah, no kidding. And she's just one of those kind of quiet, humble kids that, you know, not flashy, doesn't talk a big game. She just really just sticks to herself and she's very self-motivated. I mean, she, she trains a lot on her own by running around her, family's ranch all over the place, you know? And so she, I mean, she was, a, I think the cross country athlete of the year last year for the times news. 
So, I mean, she is very well decorated in her young career as a cross country athlete. You know, she's won state two years in a row. So, I mean, this kid's got a big, big future. And the cool thing is that she, she kind of is thinking about maybe trying to run with the twins again at Utah state. And how cool would that be? What a, what an incredible reunion that would be uh, for all of those Rat River alumni to get together and run at Utah State. So yeah. Saturday, Scott, I was at uh, the Rat River football game for IdahoSports.com. They were playing Saturday afternoon. And when they got the results, uh, of course, the PA announcer, you know, hey, and uh, news from up north at cross country, your 2022 state champions on the girls' side, Rat River. And everybody went nuts in the stands. It was a really cool yeah, it was a really cool experience to be a part of. So. Yeah, well, you know, and Allie was a big, big part of that, too. I mean, she PR'd up there and uh, made it into the 18s, you know, 18 minutes for like the first time, uh, despite during the race having a, a small spider fly into her eye. And so she was running with a spider in her eye that they removed, obviously, after the race. Um, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's a lot of people that would just say, you know, peace out, man. <laughs> I got, uh, you know, I got a spider in my eye. I think I'm done today. But she kept on going and uh, finished the race as a state champ. She's a 4.0 kid. I mean, she's just one of those All-American kids, you know, and congratulations to her and the Raft River Trojans. Yeah, really awesome story. Uh, the other big story in cross country came at the 4A competition on the boys' side where you had, so generally speaking in cross country, any any time that's sub-15 is like uber elite. That's like usually good enough to deliver you a title. And so Stockton Stevens from Twin Falls runs a sub-15. It just so happens that so did two other guys at the 4A boys' meet, which is just incredible to think about. Matt Thomas of Blackfoot wins the 4A title, but Stockton Stevens of Twin takes second with an incredible time overall. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. When you kind of let into this, records falling all over the place. But, uh, yeah, uh, Stockton Stevens, the, the girls call him the stock star. He's a stock star. But uh, he's one of those kids that is really has been, in his four years at Twin, the face of the program. You know, he has been the standard that everybody, boys and girls, are trying to, to meet. And it's, and it's so important for a program to have that kind of person because not only is he awesome at what he's doing but he's so well liked by everybody on that cross-country team um boys and girls because coach tanya burke runs both of those and they are just always together and they they have nothing but great things to say about this kid you know um they call him a natural leader um, as, as a junior, you know, he broke the old school record uh, last year, you know, set by uh, Eric Harris. And then he went on this year and broke his own school record um, at, at the Inland Empire race. And then he did it again at state when he went sub 15. You know, so, I mean, this is a kid that just got better and better and better um, as, as everything went on, you know, and he's one of those kids that, you know, is, is filled with, you know, his little routines and superstitions. I mean, you ask, you know, his teammates about him and they say, yeah, you know, he eats oatmeal every day for breakfast. Uh, he's got a, a little thing that he does before the races. He eats plain bagels right before every race. Um, and you, and you get into his house, he's got an eight foot stack of Nike shoe boxes 
because he runs so much he has to go through so many shoes but he doesn't throw the boxes away you know and so he's, he's got this giant stack i mean he's just he's one of those kids that's loaded with personality um he's they call him a good poet he loves haikus you know i mean he's just one of those quirky guys that everybody loves and he leads this program and he's a big big part of why they have been so successful for four years that he's been there on the varsity team yeah so uh twin falls came to the bob conley invitational that's hosted by highland high school in pocatello every year that was a race we we covered on idahosports.com and stockton was the the big school heat winner so we had him on for a post-race interview and i could have talked to him for half an hour i mean yeah. seriously he's and and you're right everybody just gravitates towards him. it it was very evident in the post-race you know scrum if you will that he was a popular guy for sure um he told he told us during that post-race interview that he he got off to such a hot start at the bob conley invite he started so fast out of the gate it threw everybody else off that was trying to compete with him and he kept that pace up the entire race and he said that was good for me because i haven't done that this year where i've been the lead guy that sets the pace and everybody's chasing me he said, so that was good for me to experience that. He told he told me in that post-race interview that when he was a kid, he used to run up and down the street, you know, that he lived on and pretended that, okay, I'm leaving the race over the final, you know, 50 meters or whatever it is. And everybody's trying to chase me and I got to kick it in. And he would, he would go through that scenario as a kid, just running up and down the street in the neighborhood. So, you know, it's funny because you, you, you see all these athletes, professional athletes all did the same thing. You know, um, and they talk about hitting the game-winning shot. They, you know, they talk about catching the game-winning touchdown. And but uh, you don't hear about a kid leading a cross-country race as a kid. You know, but uh, I mean, those those moments are really important because I mean, subconsciously that just gives you a vision to strive for. And and this kid is this kid definitely has been very successful, very driven, a work ethic beyond gosh, anybody else. And, and for Twin Falls, man, he's a guy that brings kids into the program. Like you said, he's a magnet. Yeah. So congratulations to Stockton Stevens on a great season and a great finish at state, a second place overall, new record, all that good stuff. Uh, and congrats to all of our cross country runners that went up and competed uh, at Lewiston this past week. All right, let's talk state volleyball. That happened last week as well, Scott. That was all over in East Idaho. And yep. Magic Valley bringing home one title from the Kimberly Bulldogs, your 3A state volleyball champs. They defeated Fruitland in the title match. So congratulations to Kimberly, the 3A volleyball champs. Yeah, this is a – I mean, if you have not seen this Kimberly volleyball team play, you're missing out. These girls are phenomenal. I mean, they are so good that – they knew they had something special, you know, this season. I mean, it was it was really kind of one of those state championship or bus type of thing because they knew they were that good. You know, I mean, they didn't lose a match all year. I mean, 21-0, uh, cruise through the, the uh, state tournament bracket. So, I mean, it's you see a lot of teams that have that kind of success – that don't get challenged a whole lot crumble sometimes in the state tournament and they just didn't do that you know they 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 knew they were going to get everybody's best shot and um they they took it you know and this is a team too that's really got no drama and 
And I know that sounds funny, but I'm telling you, when you're dealing with high school, and, and, and I don't mean this in a bad way, and high school girls, it is so important that they get along. Because if they don't, you're going to have some problems. And it's a little different for boys. I've, I've been a boys varsity coach. I've been a girls varsity coach. And I, and I see the difference. And again, this is no disrespect, but it's just a fact. It's so different. But this Kimberly volleyball team, man, they were tight. And that really, really helps. Um, they had uh, one of their star players go on a serving spree in the championship match, rattled off you know, seven bullets in a row, including an ace. And it just got everybody going. But one of the weird things about it was this is a team that just isn't very animated. I mean, they're, they're all business, you know, and throughout the season, their coach, Melissa Edwards, really had to kind of prompt them and prod them to celebrate and laugh and have fun and all that because they were just dialed in. And case in point, Opening round, they beat South Fremont um, three nothing, swept them. But they got on the bus and it was dead quiet. It's like they lost, and it's because they knew they didn't play that well, and they had better things ahead, and they were just not happy with the way that they played, even though they swept and won the opening round. You know, I mean, that was this Kimberly volleyball team, and so after that. You know, Coach Edwards got them together and was like, hey, you guys have got to have some fun here. You know, lighten up. And then after that, it was music and dancing and everything else, and they, they loosened up. But but that's really just kind of a snapshot of this Kimberly team. They were so good and talented, and they knew it. And they were dialed in all season long. So, man, what a, what a great year to run the table, unblemished record. Man, so good and good for them. Yeah, the one time they were really pushed at state was that first match on Saturday in that undefeated semifinal against Fruitland. Uh, they won it three to two in five sets. Yep. And then uh, when Fruitland came back through, Kimberly said, "Enough of that. We're going to sweep, sweep you three nothing and be done with it." And on a personal note, I really appreciated Kimberly volleyball this season because after every match, uh, Nancy Matthews, the assistant coach for Kimberly, would send me a recap and say, hey, we won this, here were the scores, here were the, the standout players. And Kelsey Stanger and um, and uh, Eliza Anderson were really the two key cogs for Kimberly this year, both outstanding seniors. Even at State, Coach Matthews would still send me, hey, here's how it went, here's the score. And and that's what, you know, we talked about this, you know, without co cooperation and help from the coaches, it's hard for us to know all the time what's going on. So I personally appreciated that from Kimberly this year, every match. They yeah. send me the results and what happens. So. Well, you know, and, and you talk about Nancy Ed or Nancy Matthews. You know, she's. Uh, I was talking to you know Melissa Edwards about this, and she goes, Nancy is just one of those. She she likened it to the TV show Cheers, right? When Norm walks in and everybody goes Norm, it's the same thing when Nancy walks in. Everybody goes Nan, you know. And so one of the fun little things that they do um, with Coach Matthews is is something just like that. Uh, it's the Cheers Norm thing. That, Man. So, but yeah, so, I mean, their, their coaching staff is, is respected um, and loved. They get so much support. Their, their parents are supportive over there. Their cheering section, their student body. I mean, Kimberly really had it going on this year in a lot of different ways. And the support system that they had for this volleyball team was just phenomenal. 
yeah, really fun to watch. I did want to give a shout out as well from State Volleyball to Murtaugh. They took third place at the 1A D1 tournament. They got to that undefeated semifinal on Saturday morning against Troy, which was the overwhelming favorite to win the title, and Troy did win the title. But Murtaugh pushed him. It went 3-2. Uh, it went to that fifth set, and Troy only won 15-13. But I think Murtaugh put so much into that match that they had to turn around and play Genesee, and they had nothing left in the tank. And so Murta ends up taking third, and they've been a really good, fun program to watch the last couple of years. So congratulations to Murta. It's one of the great seasons. Yeah. All right. Let's move to uh, what happened in state football this past week. Scott, I, I feel like we got to start at the Class 4A level in the game that you were at broadcasting for IdahoSports.com, where it was this rematch of Valley View and Minico in the opening round. We all know last year Valley View upset Minico, which was undefeated at the time, and, and it was a big shocking loss. And for a long time on Friday night, everybody was thinking, oh, my gosh, is this going to happen again? But Minico finds a way, and they win in overtime 20-14. to 14. Wow, what a, what a game that was. I mean, it was so much fun to call because you really did have a underdog trying to do it again. And man, they had their chances. You know, Minico, Minico did not play their best. I mean, they turned the ball over, you know, a lot. I mean, they just kind of got in their own way sometimes with their turnovers. And, you know, Valley View, they just kind of did what they did last year. They stopped the run and made Minico try to figure out a way to move the football without their power run game. And, you know, Valley View was well coached, but they'd been there before. And, you know, and I think the thing for Minico coming out of this is that they realize, you know, we can't take anything for granted. It doesn't matter who we play. I mean, we could have this, you know, magical season going on and, and this wonderful record, number four ranking and playing a team that we should have smoked, but we didn't. You can't take anything for granted. And you've got to clean it up a little bit because in the playoffs, everybody's good you know, for the most part. And I think Minico learned a lesson that way. But I, I thought there was going to be a moment there where Valley View was just going to take, they got the ball in the fourth quarter with about, I think it was six and a half, seven minutes left to go. And in a in a game where if they would have just driven the field, um, they the tie ball game, they could have just chewed up those last seven minutes and went in and scored. And they almost did it. They got into the Minico side of the field, and then things just kind of went nuts for them, and it didn't, it didn't happen, and we went into overtime. But, man, it looked like for a moment that Valley View was just going to march right down the field in those final minutes and steal a victory. And then, man, I can't imagine what that stadium would have been like for the second year in a row with the same result on the same field, same team, almost the same rankings as last year. I mean, talk about deja vu. But – Minico found a way to get it done. And now they're going to have their hands full with Blackfoot coming to town Friday. Definitely. So Japheth Bendele was the Idaho sports.com player of the game. He had uh, two touchdown runs, including the, uh, the touchdown in the overtime period for Minico. And then Valley View gets the ball, right? And what happens on third down, their quarterback gets clobbered and did, did the backup have to come in for a fourth down pass? Well, they had been, they had been kind of rotating a couple of quarterbacks in there. Okay. Um, whenever they needed to uh, really to throw the ball, they've got a sophomore quarterback that can really sling it. I mean, 
he's going to be something for this Valley View team in the next couple of years because it's a he's a good looking quarterback as far as his arm strength and his touch. Well, yeah. So here we go. Valley View's got to score because Minico's punched it in, and it's third down and goal from you know probably about the ten or whatever somewhere in there, and their quarterback rolls out to the right, gets flushed out of the pocket, and and shot out of a cannon was uh, McCaffrey, and he just unloaded with the sack, and now it's fourth and goal. And so timeout, timeout, everybody figures out what they're going to do. Well, Valley View had the play dialed up, and they dang near pulled it off. They had the sophomore quarterback rolled out to his left, so he's going to throw it against the grain, against his body, to somebody that was running kind of like a, a an out route in the end zone and delivered it perfectly right on the numbers. But it was so close to the boundary that you, there's no room for error, right? It, you, I mean, you got to make that a clear catch, feet down, done. If you bobble for one second, you're going to run out of room. And that's what happened. They caught it, bobbled it, Stepped out of bounds, reeled it in, but it was out of bounds. And that was how the game ended. And so, I mean, it was pretty exciting. And I think it was one of those where Minico just goes, let's just tiptoe right out of this stadium and get ready for next week because, holy crap, we just about lost this one. Yeah, and now, like you said, they get Blackfoot in the quarterfinals. This will be a game that Minico will host on Friday, 7 o'clock on idahosports.com. Once again, Scott, you will be on the call for it. Blackfoot is a real Jekyll and Hyde team. I mean, at times they look like the best team in 4A, and at times it's like, are you guys even a playoff team? Like, they, they are so up and down. You never know which Blackfoot team is going to show up. Last year, Blackfoot kind of stumbled through the regular season, got hot in the playoffs, got all the way to the semifinals. I will say this is a dangerous team with – Javante King and Deegan Hale, they're two wide receivers, and Jackson Grimmett is a QB that can really spin it. Minico's front seven has to get pressure on Grimmett. Otherwise, those receivers could be in for big days. Yeah, it's going to be a real tough test for, for Minico. I mean, they're, this, is a, this is a Blackfoot team that will spread the field a little bit. They can, they can go vertical. Um, they can also run the football. I mean, this is a very balanced team. And, you know, you talk about Jekyll and Hyde, Blackfoot, excuse me, went through a stretch in the middle of the season where they dropped, you know, four games in a row. You know, and, you know, they started out of the gate well, winning their first three, then they dropped their next four, you know. But, but you take a look at kind of who they lost to. I mean, they lost to Shelly, you know, who was in the tournament. They lost to Rigby, you know, powerhouse Rigby. Um, and, and that game was a 28, 24 game, you know, so they gave Rigby everything they could handle and they lost to, to Highland and Pocatello. And that one was 34, 28. So, I mean, here they are pushing some of these five, eight teams and the other loss came to skyline. And we all know about skyline and that was a 28, 21 game. So the games that they lost were all close and they were to some really good football teams. You know, so this Blackfoot team don't don't sleep on their record. This this is a really good team. Definitely. And they've got, of course, Javante King, the six five wide receiver who just committed to Montana State, be a big sky player for the Bobcats. So keep an yep. eye out for him. 
That'll be a fun one. Let's talk about the other Magic Valley team that picked up a win. So you have Twin Falls and Burley, two conference rivals meeting in the opening round of the 4A playoffs. Twin Falls gets the win 47 to 35. Both teams ran the ball exceptionally well. Uh, James Norlander was the IdahoSports.com player of the game. 212 rushing yards, five touchdowns on the ground. You know what, though? Burley's running back, Ramsey Trevino, he also scored five touchdowns because Twin Falls basically said, we're going to empty the box. We're going to defend your deep ball, deep passing attack. And Burley said, okay, we'll just keep giving it to Ramsey Trevino then. And it almost worked out for Burley. Yeah, it does. I mean, you've got to really figure out how you're going to defend that Burley offense because they are so prolific and it does center around, you know, big plays. I mean, Burley can throw a big play at you at any time because they've got so many offensive weapons. I mean, you mentioned Trevino and Bear and um, uh, Jacob Williams. Yeah, Williams. I mean, they've, they've got some big playmakers there. So you have to really kind of figure out what are you going to take away? And then just hope that you do take it away and, and make early one or two dimensional because they got so many dimensions offensively. And, and, you know, the other interesting thing about that game was, I mean, that's the second time that those teams have played in like four weeks. Right. And they know each other and it, it the score almost was identical this time around than when they played the first time. The first time, Twin won 48-32. This time, it was 47-36. So, offensive shootout. But, uh, you know, hey, congratulations to Twin. They're moving on. And, you know, and and congratulations to Burley, too, for kind of putting themselves back on the football map. You know, they had a really great season. It kind of got a lot of people excited about football in Burley. But Twin's going to move on, and Twin is going to have their hands full this week. Definitely. So, yes, uh, one last note on Burley. The offense was great. We talked about all year the defense was going to be a problem for them, and that's kind of what happened again. But no denying Cameron Anderson in his first year at Burley has really uh, changed the culture around that Bobcat team, certainly. All right, so, yeah, Twin Falls now will hit the road. Uh, They will have to travel to the number two seed overall, and that is Skyline, the defending, the two-time defending 4A champs. This will be a game – on Saturday inside Holt Arena in Pocatello, a four o'clock kickoff. And so, you know, what does Twin Falls have to do to to shock the world here and knock out the big gorilla in Skyline? Oh, man, they, they're going to have to – I don't want to say they have to play a perfect game because they just – they cannot give Skyline opportunities by turning the ball over, um, giving them short fields – you know, Twins going to have to sustain some drives, and they're going to have to limit some possessions of Skyline, and and it's just going to have to be one of those methodical games. I think Twins going to have to play, where they they sustain some drives, they chew up clock, they don't turn it over, and you know, kind of toughen up on defense because I mean, that Skyline is number two for a reason. They're been in the state title game two years in a row. You know, this is a seasoned team that knows how to win you know so it's, it's going to be a tough task for for twin falls but they cannot turn the ball over and they're going to have to make skyline uh drive the field the length of the field no short fields no turnovers i mean i think that's where it starts yeah no turnovers and i think twin falls has to force a turnover or two on yeah, they're gonna have to hit the breaks you're right for sure 
Uh, Skyline does sometimes try to force it to Kenyon Sadiq, their all-world wide receiver who's going to play tight end for the Oregon Ducks. Um, and that's where they yeah. can sometimes turn the ball over. But Well, you know, and that, and that's a good point too. But that's something that Twin has seen before. I mean, I mean, you talk about playing Burley twice with Gatlin Bear. I mean, you're going to have to dedicate resources to stopping Gatlin Bear. You're going to have to dedicate resources to stopping this kid for Skyline too. So it's not something that Twin is unfamiliar with. But, uh, I mean, the caliber of this kid they're going to see this weekend is something else. Yeah, definitely. So uh, good luck to Twin Falls as they uh, take on Skyline again. That is Saturday, 4 p.m. inside Holt Arena, another game that we will have for you on idahosports.com. And uh, I think we're doing 17 of 24 quarterfinal matchups on idahosports.com. If you want to see the full schedule of the games, click on the Game Streams tab on the homepage and IdahoSports.com. Let's move to Class 3A, where Buell had their hands full on Friday night, Scott. They hosted McCall Donnelly. Buell uh, got up 12-0. Austin Franzen hit Connor Sullivan on a short touchdown, and then Jace Bauer took it in from three yards out. So they had a 12-0 lead. Really, their defense won the game. McCall Donnelly had trouble moving the ball all night long, and that 12-0 lead held up as they won 12-6. Yeah, I mean – Great defensive effort by Buell because, you know, you, you talk, we've talked about Buell throughout the course of the season, um, how they've just got this little spring in their step now. Football is alive and well under head coach Allen Reynolds. The community is rallying. But how are they going to do in the first round of the playoffs? You know, can they get a win? I mean, last year they got blasted by uh, Weezer or Homedale? Weezer. Weezer. And, you know, and then they had to open the season with them this year. But uh, they needed to get that win in the playoffs to kind of get what it feels like to not just prepare for the playoffs, but prepare for the second round, to, to, to immerse yourself in that playoff atmosphere for more than just, hey, we're happy to be here. And I think that was a huge step for uh, the Buell football program. And now um, it, and, and they, they do it differently the 3a bracket because they're re-bracketing it's not just a straight bracket because now buell is going to take on uh teton number four teton so it's number five versus number four and that's going to be at teton seven o'clock friday night and that's a that's a tough place to go that's it yeah. that's how, past ashton driggs area i mean that is that's tough and then if you get weather like that part of the state gets sometimes man who knows what you're going to going to get for a result yeah now i think the weather actually could play into buell's favor and i actually like buell to go on the road and, and win this game uh over teton and by the way that loss to weezer in the season opener that's their only loss of the year they haven't lost that's since that. for buell uh, teton is a team that i got to see this year scott and they they are a wide open pass attack they like to sling the ball around with jack nelson their quarterback but if it's bad weather or a cold night throwing the ball around is going to be more difficult whereas buell's got this built in with jace bauer a guy that can carry the rock 20 times and deliver you a win. So I actually do like Buell to go on the road and, and knock off Teton. Teton's max preps rating got boosted uh, because they played Sugar Salem and South Fremont and all these other really hard teams. And so I, I kind of like Buell on the road. All right. Well, I hope you're right. Go Indians. We we will see. Uh, speaking of South Fremont, Kimberly had to go play South Fremont on Saturday uh, the Bulldogs got behind the eight ball quickly and end up losing 48 to 14. But 
you know, Kimberly had a great season. You know, they were basically, I think a lot of people dismissed them after Gatlin Bear had transferred out and said, oh, yeah, Kimberly probably, you know, middle of the pack. And they played really well this year and had a really explosive offense led by Cade Larson, the quarterback. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you, you talk about the, the people that, that Kimberly lost, and I think a lot of people did sort of write them off a little bit. You know, um, they lost, obviously, Gatlin Bear. They lost their head coach, you know, so they're kind of in in a lot of places and other places. It'd be rebuilding mode. But, you know, Kimberly flexed some muscle this year. They showed that the program is stronger than the, the people that are in it, if you know what I mean. And the program uh, survived. So, you know, hey, great year for Kimberly. They'll, they'll be back. They'll still be in the, in the playoffs again next year and the year after that. So even though they got blasted by South Fremont, it didn't take away from what they were able to do this year in a, in a season that had a bunch of question marks. Definitely. It was really nice to see Kimberly have a strong year after last year. They were so injury plagued. They ended up missing the yeah. playoffs entirely. So it was nice to see. Uh, let's go to two A where Declo had a first round bye. And uh, their reward for winning their district now is a matchup against the three-time defending 2A champs from Westside. They'll play that game Saturday morning inside Holt Arena, 11 a.m. kickoff, Scott. A little early action. Um, you know, these two teams met only a couple weeks ago, and yes, Westside won, but it was a pretty close game. Well, and here's another one of those things that uh, we just got done talking about. You know, playing a team twice in a short time frame, I, you know what? It, that's got to favor the underdog just a little bit. You know, I mean, bigger, faster, stronger usually wins. But, you know, coming off of a close game where you almost upset them before, um, you know, Declo is going to put up a fight. Now, 11 a.m., I, I mean, that's a – I mean, you've got to think about how early you've got to get up and get your brain going for football and your body going for football. That's going to be an early start time. And, uh, I mean, you got to wake it up. I mean, we've seen it at state basketball all the time where those early morning games, man, it's sleepwalking through the first half. So, yeah, that's, that's going to be a challenge at 11 a.m. But I, I like Declo here I, to at least put up a really good fight. Yeah, Declo lost to Westside 21-6 to back on Friday, October 7th. Um, Declo's the four seed, and since this game's in Holt Arena, they actually have to travel a little further to get to Holt than Westside does, the five seed. But um, I will tell you, Scott, that Westside is a team that is PO'd. They are PO'd that they lost their district title by a single point, which dropped them to the number five seed. They're PO'd at this new system where they were, you know, the number two team in Max Prep's ranking, and yet here they are as the number five seed. They are PO'd that they and Bear Lake are on the same side of the bracket. In their mind, they and Bear Lake are the two best teams and should be meeting in the championship. And they're, they're just, they're angry at everybody. And so look out. They won 61 to 14 last week. Uh, this is a team that didn't need to be motivated, but they are. They're very angry at pretty much everybody and whoever stands in their way. So. <laughs> yeah, and that's a tough thing to deal with, too, because, you know, if you've got motivation on your shoulder and you've got something pushing you and you are playing angry, that is a, that's going to be a tough team to stop. But you're absolutely right. I mean, Westside feels they kind of got slighted uh, in a couple of different areas. And boy, you just every time you turn around, there's something new going on the bulletin board in the locker room on that side. You know, so they have plenty of motivation coming in. And yeah, and it's it's just weird how they re bracket, you know, this tournament, the 3A tournament, 
to where it's not, you know, like the four A's and the five A's. And yeah, Declo is going to get a very angry West side team to deal with. Yeah. This, this group of seniors for West side has lost twice in their entire high school career, freshmen all the way up to this year. And both losses came by a single point. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, let's, let's move to the eight man game. One, a D one carry got to host Idaho city. Uh, carry was the number one team in max preps ranking and uh, the number five seed overall in this. Uh, so, so the same thing we talked about with Westside and Bear Lake is kind of happening in one, a D one where Carrie and Oakley are on the same side of the bracket. And a lot of people are going, huh, that might be like a championship game. That's going to be played in the semis. So uh, anyways, Kerry wins 70 to six over Idaho city. Scott, check this out. Kerry scored those 70 points on just 21 offensive plays. How insane is that? I'd say that's a model of efficiency. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that is insane. And Kerry, you know, we talked about Kerry and they're moving up a division. How was that going to be? And my goodness, they are thriving. And, uh, you know, yeah, and it's, and it's weird because you look at this, you know, bracket in the, the quarterfinals in this 1AD1, and, yeah, you do. You've got Oakley and Carey on the same side and then Raft River below them. And I'm sure Raft River's going, wow, thank you. That's that We don't want to see those guys anymore. You know, but, uh, you know, Oakley's going to have Lighthouse, you know, a familiar foe. Uh, Carey's got notice. And then on the bottom half, Raft River is going to be taking on Grace, um, and that's that's going to be that's going to be a battle as well. Yeah. So, th- there's always good football when you get to the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and eight man. It's a lot of fun. So Kerry is going to be at notice. Two teams that uh, do things similarly, both run the ball really well. Both usually get several takeaways on defense. Uh, I still like Kerry to win on the road there. Oakley, yep. you mentioned the one seed will play Lighthouse, the eight seed. This is a game that I was at on Thursday night. It's got Lighthouse went to Murtaugh. They played for the second time in five days. That is the minimum amount of time that can pass before you're allowed to play again. They played on Saturday night in the regular season finale, and then they turned around and played on Thursday night to open up the playoffs. Have you ever seen that where two teams have played each other five days apart? No, that is a first for me. And when I saw that, I'm like, holy cow. I mean, the dust hasn't even settled and they're going again. So no, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. And the interesting thing with Lighthouse that happened in that regular season finale against Murtaugh is they're starting quarterback, Justice Schrader, who uh, transferred in from Glens Ferry. So, so last year, Lighthouse's QB was Case Van Lewitt, who's a really great dual threat quarterback. Well, this year, they get a transfer from Glens Ferry in Justice Schrader. And all of a sudden, Schrader is QB1. Van Lewin is lining up all over the place as an athlete. Well, in that regular season finale against Murtaugh, Schrader gets hurt in the second quarter and has to leave. And all of a sudden, Van Lewin's back in taking the QB snaps. Now, Lighthouse loses that game. Fast forward to Thursday night, Justice Schrader still not cleared to return. So now Case Van Lewin's getting the start. Now, how many teams in the state can say, yeah, our backup QB started, you know, 10, 11 games for us in the past? It's quite a luxury. And so Van Lewin gets the start and delivers. I mean, he has three rushing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns. Lighthouse springs the upset. They get six takeaways on defense. It was really a cool story to see Case Van Lewin slide back into that QB role and lead Lighthouse to the win. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was night and day from the first time they played, well, five days ago. (laughs) I mean, total opposite 
because uh, Murtaugh, you know, dominated that game, you know, uh, 28 to 8. And then Lighthouse, five days later, found some magic with what you're just talking about and uh, just started clicking. And it's a great luxury to have. I mean, it's that next man up mentality. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter where you, where you play me, just play me. And I'll make sure that I contribute to my team. And that's kind of what Lighthouse is. I mean, we talked about Lighthouse earlier in the season about being kind of this huge lopsided losing record. I mean, and yet they were going to make the playoffs. You know, they dropped their first five games of the year. They were 0-5. And everybody's like, what's going on with Lighthouse? And then they, you know, they beat Valley, they beat Glens Ferry, and then they lost to Murtaugh, then they beat Murtaugh, and then it's about getting hot at the right time, finding your stride, and and uh, Lighthouse is going to have their hands full, you know. But good for them for kind of turning the season around and and playing well down the stretch. Yeah, the craziest part of that game, they won thirty-four to twenty-six, so a one-score win. I, essentially, the winning score came right before halftime, where Lighthouse is moving the ball down the field. They deliver a strike to the twelve-yard line. They've got one timeout remaining. They get the timeout called. Scott, the the clock at Murtaugh's Red Devil Stadium goes to tenths of a second. And there was, I'm not joking, one-tenth of a second remaining on that clock when Lighthouse got the timeout. So they just got it in under the gun. So basically they get the one untimed down, and Van Leeuwen's able to hit Jack DeYoung for a 12-yard touchdown right before halftime on that one-tenth of a second play. And that essentially won them the game in a one-score win. Yeah, and that's crazy that it happened at Murtaugh. You know, so it's like, who's running the clock at Murtaugh? <laughs> you can't bleed a tenth of a second off. But, uh, yeah, good for them. And a, and a clutch win and a fun, exciting finish. Definitely. The other eight-man game I was at was on Saturday. I talked about this earlier. I was at Raft River. Uh, they defeat Clearwater Valley 54-22. to Now, I will tell you, Scott, the Raft River fans let me have it because on all the podcasts last week, I picked Clearwater Valley to win. <laughs> I, I was going on the assumption that Raft River has been very dinged up. They've been missing – two of their most important players these last two games of the regular season when they just got boat raced twice. Uh, Tate Whitaker, their quarterback, and yeah. then Treg Whitaker, who's their best defensive player and can play anywhere. He's played offensive line. He's played running back this year. Well, they were both playing. Now, Tate Whitaker was a game-time decision on Saturday. Coach Evans basically told me on the field, hey, we're going to run him out here for the next 10 minutes in warm-ups, see how he's feeling. True game-time decision. Well, Tate Whitaker starts – has five touchdowns, plays exceptionally well. Trey Whitaker played as well. He had this big cast on his right hand, play like a club almost. And we know that when you have that on defense, you can use that thing as a weapon and really, you know, batter people with that club. And then he also, you know, lines up as an offensive lineman and a fullback. And instead of getting into the three-point stance, he just puts his club down on the ground. And that's his three-point stance. <laughs> There's something intimidating about that too. That's just – a tough man right there. You know, I remember last year, uh, Brady Trinkle from, or, uh, uh, Brevin, Brevin Trinkle. Sorry. Talk to Brady about every day. Um, Brevin had the same thing when he broke his hand, he had the big old club and it was, it's imposing, you know? I mean, that's just like, you got a dude with a club hand who's just beating you upside the helmet with it. And I, I can imagine just putting that thing down on the ground and lining up. And like, that's a tough man right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Raptor River has to play Grace. They will play that game on Saturday in Holt Arena. It'll be the late game Saturday at six o'clock. And I'm telling you right now, Raptor River, the Raptor River team I saw on Saturday, and in all the fans that get 
hard time after the game. It was all in good fun. They did it with smiles on their faces. And I still got a double cheeseburger after the game. So they couldn't have been that upset. <laughs> nice. uh, but but there's good people over at Raptor. They, they they listen to the podcasts and they know we talk uh, you know very highly of, of their team. But uh, man, you went against them, man. I and then you then you go over to broadcast their game. Predict them to lose, then go call their game. That took some guts, my friend. You know, I did that one other time this year where uh, a school wasn't very happy with me, and I went into the lion's den, but we don't need to get into that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, what could you possibly be talking about? Yeah, anyways, um, that Rap River team I saw on Saturday, that fully healthy Rap River team, that's a team that's capable of winning the championship. And I, I like Rap River to win Saturday against Grace. And I like them to get back to the championship where, if I'm being honest, it's I, it can easily be Oakley, Rath River, round three. I really do think Rath River, if they are fully healthy and can stay healthy, they're capable of getting there. So Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. If they can keep their, their playmakers healthy, because, I mean, you take those guys out of the equation in eight-man football, I mean, you take you know, a couple of playmakers out in any eight-man game, it, it changes the complexion drastically. But they're healthy. I, I see a, a rematch as well. You know, Kerry may have something to say about that, but I, I like Raft River's chances to get back to the title game if they can stay healthy. Definitely. And then 1AD2, District 4 went 3-0. and uh, Everybody had to uh, go on the road except Dietrich. So Dietrich played Thursday night. They beat Horseshoe Bend 54-20. Castle Fort had to go all the way to Clark Fort. We talked about this, like a 10-hour bus trip. They shut out the Wampus Cats 56 nothing, And then Camas County goes to Water Springs and wins 66-32. to So just solidifying what we knew, this Constitute Conference really good this year. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. We knew that it was a good conference um, all season long. I mean, you know, Castleford and Camas and Dietrich, uh, solid. Now, now when we get into the quarters and the semis, they're going to start seeing some – better teams because a lot of times you're going to open in these eight man games with, you know, some subpar teams that you're going to play, but uh, there's going to be some, some good battles here as we head into the quarterfinals. I mean, Dietrich is going to be playing at Holt uh, and they're going to take on Rockland, you know, and as far as Castleford, they are going to be at council on Friday night. So, I mean, things start to get a little bit tougher. And then of course, Camus, um, is going to be taking on Kendrick. And we all know about Kendrick, and that's going to be up in Lewiston. So, I mean, there's a road trip, you know, for the for the Mushers. Yeah, that game in Lewiston, 2 p.m. on Saturday. We will have video broadcast coverage of that on IdahoSports.com. The uh, Rockland-Dietrich game we'll also have for you on IdahoSports.com on Saturday at 1.30 from Holt Arena uh, Dietrich, I think, has the easiest time. They've got so many explosive athletes. You put them inside at Holt Arena, they could put up 70. I'm not joking yeah. with Cody Power and, and Robertson and all their guys. Um, Castleford and Council, to me, Scott, is more like a semifinal game. It's being played in the quarterfinals. Um, it's going to be tricky for the Wolves to, to go to Council and play there, but I'd give them a 50-50 shot. And then Camus, I think, has the hardest road, obviously, going up to play Kendrick, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, no, I agree 100%, but so far through the first round, great job by Magic Valley D2 teams, man. They, they, they're getting it done. Eight-man football still carrying the torch for, for the Magic Valley, although Minico, Twin Falls, 
Uh, Buell all still in the mix. It's really nice to see so many Magic Valley teams still competing, especially at that 4A level where the past two years, the Great Basin Conference had gone 0-3 in the opening round each of the past two seasons. Nice well, to see them make the Series. In the Great Basin, it's just the lack of great teams in the conference. And then, you know, we qualify to the playoffs and then they just get waxed because they're just not battle-tested because the conference has been so weak. And that's been a knock on the Great Basin because – you know, top to bottom, it hasn't been. I mean, you're going to get your Minicos and Twins that are, you know, usually pretty good down the stretch. But the And you're going to get Jerome in there once in a while. Jerome didn't have a great year this year, but they're usually kind of in the mix. But with the emergence of Burley in that great basin, it pushed the conference to three really decent teams. And uh, that only made Minico better. It only made Twin better. You know, and so, like you were saying, it's, you know, the conference – needs to be strong for our teams in the Great Basin to keep going in the tournament. Definitely. And I, you know, I totally forgot to mention this, but Canyon Ridge also did make the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Yes. They had, they had to play Bishop Kelly, you know, the buzz saw and they, they ended up losing, but what a season for coach James pool and, and the yeah. Rocks as well. So. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I totally forgot to mention them as well. I mean, yeah, not great, great season for them. And yeah, they ran into a bus on Bishop Kelly and Bishop Kelly is, probably win 5a you know they're that good and it's just not fair <laughs> i say that all the time about bishop kelly but it's a different animal but Definitely. they are they are really really good and uh you know but it doesn't take away the season that canyon rich had you know forget about the waxing that they took with bishop kelly um but you know just it rejuvenated football at canyon ridge again and and coach pool is doing a great job and and i hope they continue Definitely. So, all right, we went super long on today's prep cast, but that's because there were so many good things to talk about. And hopefully uh, we're doing the same next week. We'll obviously break down what happened in the quarterfinals for football and also state swimming is this weekend, Scott. So yeah. we will have some state swimming to recap on next week's episode as well. So should be a good time. All right. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to get out to Minico tomorrow night and calling a, calling a good game. Where are you at? Are you? So I'm going all the way up to Mullet. For an eight-man game on Saturday, Mullen St. Regis is hosting Garden Valley. So wow, nice! Look at you go, company man. Yeah, going to be uh, possibly four to five inches of snow. Should be an interesting setting for the game. So wow, nice! Bring your mittens. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. So, all right. Well, thanks for tuning into the Magic Valley Prepcast, everybody. For Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you next time on IdahoSports.com.